Well, I didn't realize that I'm a synesthetic. <laughs> because like Taylor, when I hear music, I see colors. Sometimes I see red, sometimes I see blue. Depends on whether it makes me angry or peaceful. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it, how things work. Well, Joel said, we're eager to hear from Jim Garrett. I pray to God you don't, but that you hear from God this morning. 1966, Dottie Rambo appeared a song that became very popular in gospel circles. The things that I love and hold dear to my heart are just borrowed. They're not mine at all. Jesus only let me use them to brighten my life. So remind me, remind me, dear Lord. Roll back the curtains of memory now and then. Show me where you brought me from and where I might have been. Remember I'm human and humans forget. So remind me, remind me, dear Lord. Nothing good have I done to deserve God's own Son. I'm not worthy of the scars in his hands. Yet he chose the road to Calvary to die in my stead. Why he loved me, I can't understand. Roll back the curtains of memory now and then. Show me where you brought me from and where I might have been. Remember I'm human and humans forget. So remind me, remind me, dear Lord. One of the traits of humans is we're forgetful. And for that reason, memorials are very important. As Americans, we have several national holidays that are memorial. Of course, we have Independence Day, the 4th of July, the day in which we celebrate the victory of our nation, but also a time to recognize the intervention of God. It's amazing that ragtag colonies could have overcome the most powerful military, military force in the world. It was a time of prayer. We have to say God was involved. Well, the British weren't comfortable with leaving it that way, and so they came back in an attempt to take us over again. The War of 1812, that's when Francis Scott Key was a prisoner on a ship, and he could see the fort in the distance, the American fort, and the flag was flying, and then the sun set, and all night long there were rockets that would fly, and he could, yes, the flag is still there, and his sunrise 
We have now the star-spangled banner. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hail by twilight's last gleaming in the rocket's red glare. And so we have the star-spangled banner, and we have Independence Day. We have Thanksgiving. From the very, very first, the leaders of this nation called the nation to prayers of thanksgiving. John, George Washington declared a thanksgiving day. Others have done so, Lincoln and others. Finally, Roosevelt made the fourth Thursday of November always a thanksgiving day. And of course, tomorrow is Memorial Day. Originally, it was called Decoration Day. That's what it was called in my childhood. Decoration Day began during the war between the states. An organization of southern women that were known as the Ladies Memorial Association began decorating the graves of soldiers, Confederate soldiers that had fallen in battle. And then for some reason we don't know, at Shiloh they also began decorating the graves of Union soldiers as well as Confederate soldiers. Gordon and Sue and Barbara and I, I think with Lothanors from Corinth, Mississippi, visited Shiloh. I visited a number of uh, battlegrounds from that war, but I've never been any place like Shiloh. Dark, heavy. Nearby there's a mound where the bodies of Confederate shoulders were placed and dirt just piled over them. Union soldiers buried in independent graves. But the women who were a part of this organization at that point began to decorate the graves of both Confederate and Union. In 1868, General John Logan, who was the commander of the Grand Army of the Republic, that was an organization of Union veterans, and he began to urge the members of his organization to go to the graves of Union soldiers and place flowers upon them on May 30th, even as was being done in the South. We wonder why did he pick May 30th? No one knows. Some say, well, possibly because that was not the anniversary of any battle that had been fought in that war, but no one knows why. <laughs> but May the 30th. And so it continued, and not long afterward by the the uh, early 20th century, the practices of the South and the North began to come together. It became Memorial Day. After World War II, it became Memorial Day. In 1967, there was a federal bill passed that made it officially Memorial Day. I know when I was a boy, it was Decoration Day, and of course, in my early years, the veterans that were honored were those that had fought in the Spanish-American War and uh, World War One. I. I knew one person that was had lived during the Civil War, an old woman, who said, you know, it was really hard. We got hungry. We would boil shoe leather and eat it. One thing no one would ever eat was a cat. Isn't that something? <laughs> but in those days, uh, after World War One. The symbol of Memorial Day was the poppy. And that's because the soldiers who fell in France, most of them, their bodies were not brought home, but they were buried where they fell. 
A Canadian soldier wrote a poem in Flanders Field. In Flanders Field, where poppies blow among the crosses, row on row, and above the lark does fly, but scarcely heard amid the guns below. We are the dead, and so it goes. This man served four years in the Western Front, was killed just before the end of the war, but he had written the poem before. And so the veterans of foreign war and the American Legion made little flower poppies out of uh, paper. <laughs> and you saw everybody wearing a poppy during that day to honor the fallen who had fallen in that war. Memorial Day reminds us the thousands of mothers who received that telegram, that faithful telegram from the War Department saying your son has been killed in combat later years. It was an officer or some kind of a committee that would visit, but initially just a telegram. And we think of that mother who tears cried until there was nothing left, or that father in whom something died that never came back to life. But you know, memorials are only important if we remember what they memorialize. Congress in the 1970s, actually 1968, I believe it was, passed the law of the Universal Monday Holiday Act, which moved four holidays to a particular Monday. Initially, the various veterans organizations resisted moving Memorial Day to a Monday. They said, if you do that, it's a three-day weekend. People will be going on picnics. They'll be having barbecues. It'll be a vacation time, and the sobriety of that day will be lost. And they fought it, but Congress passed it. But initially, many of the states sided with the veterans' organizations and did not make the change. But by the 1970s, the change was fully made. If our nation is to survive, continue to be blessed as we are, we need to remember the lesson that these memorials bring to us. It's a responsibility to pass on to each generation that for which they stand. God recognized the importance of memorials. <clears throat> An example being when the Israelites had finished their journey in the wilderness and they came to the border of the land of Canaan and before them was the Jordan River. It was the harvest time. And at harvest time, for some reason, the Jordan River always overflowed. God gave Joshua instructions. He said, this is, if you carry out my instructions and what happens, this is one way the people know that you are the new chosen leader because Moses had died. And the instruction was this, have the priests who carried the ark to hoist the poles to their shoulders and begin walking into the Jordan River. And they did. They walked to where the water was ankle deep <laughs> and a little deeper. And then suddenly something happened. Fifteen miles upstream. It was as if a wall had been erected. 
And suddenly the river no longer flowed. Not only that, the riverbed was dry as if there had never been any water there before. It was truly a miracle. The priest continued to stand in the middle of the riverbed. Thousands of Israelites passed over. They went about four or five miles further to Gilgal. There they set up their tents. And then in obedience to Yahweh, Joshua said, Each tribe pick a man. And so twelve men were chosen, one from each tribe. Each of these men go back into the river where the priests are still standing and pick up a small boulder from the riverbank and put it on your shoulder and carry it to Gilgal. And when you get there, assemble the stones and build a cairn. In coming generations, when you pass by this place with your children, your children will say, What meaneth these stones? Are they important to you? And you will tell them the story of God's parting the water at the Red Sea. You will tell them the story of the miracles of the wilderness. And you will tell them about the parting of the Jordan. And that, therefore, will cause them to fear God throughout all generations. Notice that. Fear God throughout all generations. A memorial. The first memorial that God gave was the Sabbath. You remember after creation, God made heaven and earth in six days. On the seventh day, he rested. And Genesis tells us that he sanctified and blessed that day, the seventh day, the Sabbath. And so in the Mosaic Law, when the Ten Commandments were given, the third was this, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And as you read the account of Israel's first future history, how many times God had to bring judgment on the nation because it failed to heed the Sabbath day, a memorial of the fact that God created heavens and earth. Now it's interesting, in the Christian era, that was changed. Jesus reiterated every single one of the Ten Commandments in his teaching except keeping the Sabbath. That's interesting, isn't it? And Paul in Romans 14 said, Some keep the Sabbath unto the Lord. Some don't keep the Sabbath, but whatever you do on that day, do it unto the Lord. But that was the first memorial that was given. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, Feast of the Harvest, Pentecost, all of these. And every generation has the responsibility to keep the memorials and pass on. Here's what Psalm 78 verse 7. These things should be done that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but he keep his commandments. The church has memorials. Some of these are the special days. The last time I was in the pulpit, we reiterated these. We'll do it again. <laughs> the birth of Christ, which we celebrate as Christmas, that's a memorial. The day that's called the Epiphany of Christ, that's when Jesus went to the Jordan River where John the Immerser was immersing people 
And John saw Jesus and said, oh, I mustn't immerse you. You need to immerse me. And Jesus said, no, it's the will of God. Suffer to be so to fulfill all righteousness. And John immersed him, and from heaven a voice said, this is my beloved Son in whom I will please hear ye him. And the Holy Spirit came and rested on him as a dove. That's epiphany. The third is the crucifixion, which we remember on Good Friday the next is the resurrection, which we call Easter. And then the last time I was in the pulpit, we commemorated Ascension Day, which happened this year on May 10th, the day that Jesus ascended to heaven. And last Sunday, one of the most important days in the history of the church was Pentecost. The birthday of last Sunday was the 1,988th birthday of the church. We should have sung Happy Birthday Church, perhaps. But we have these memorials to remind us of these important events. But there are two that are repeated every seven days. The Lord's Supper and the Lord's Day. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all describe this scene in the upper room. But let's leap a little bit ahead. When we celebrate on Good Friday, we force ourselves to look at something that we don't want to look at. The horrible things that Jesus experienced, only a sadist or someone with a perverted sense of curiosity would ever want to look at what Jesus went through. But we force ourselves to do so so that we might have gratitude. Think of the time in the garden when he was kneeling and praying, and Luke tells us he sweat as it were great drops of blood. Now, we're not sure what that means. Does that mean he actually sweat blood, or does it mean his sweat was thick like blood? We don't know, but it was an expression of the indescribable anguish. And then notice... The very next thing Luke tells us is an angel came and strengthened him. But notice the angel did not deliver him because immediately after that, Jesus cried out, My God, my God, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And then we know the story of what happened in the garden and the arrest, the mutilation of his body, the mockery hanging naked on a cross between criminals, his death. But before that happened, Jesus sat in an upper room with his disciples. They were celebrating the Passover feast, that feast that remember, reminded the Jews a memorial of the fact that in 1447 B.C., Israel was freed from Egypt, in which the Holy Ghost through, the, through an angel had said, kill a lamb, sacrifice it, catch its blood in a basin, and then on the lentils and doorposts of your house, paint those with that blood. 
Because in the night a death angel is going to come and the firstborn of every cow, the firstborn of every donkey, the firstborn of every home, whether slave or Pharaoh's palace, will die. Except those who are in houses that are covered by the blood. That prefigured Calvary, didn't it? And so they were in the upper room observing God-ordained Passover feast. It began with a cup. Jesus took the cup, blessed it, passed it to all of them. And then the meal progressed. Some point in the meal, he stopped and took the matzo wafer and broke a piece and handed it to a disciple and another and another. This which is broken for you is my body. All of you eat of it. Can't you imagine the confusion? that went? What's he talking about? And the meal continued until the last cup, called the cup of the blessing, and he took the chalice and lifted that and said, This is a new covenant in my blood. All of you drink of it. And again, what's he talking about? But they did it. Jesus said many things to his disciples in that room. And one thing he said to them was this, It is expedient that I go away, because if I do not go away, the Holy Spirit will not come. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll cause you to remember all the things you've heard me say. You've forgotten a bunch of them, but by, he'll make you remember And those things I said that you don't understand, He will give you understanding. And even reveal concepts of that truth that you've never heard from me. And it is now going to be your responsibility when that happens. To go out into the world and tell people everything I said. Truth, doctrine, that's your job. (laughs) So, after Jesus' resurrection... After the day of Pentecost, they understood what had happened in that room that night. His body, his blood. Immediately, from that time forth, the church began to meet on the Lord's Day, and they never met without observing the Lord's Supper, a memorial of what he had done. Several of the early church fathers write concerning church service, Clement, Ignatius. One of the most detailed is from Justin Martyr. Justin Martyr was writing to the emperor, explaining Christianity to him. Wrote a long, long document. Uh, Chapter 67 begins this day. He'd already talked about the fact they, they met on the first day of the week, the day the Romans called Sunday. So writing the Romans, here's how he begins on chapter 67. On the day called Sunday, there's a meeting in one place of those who live in cities or the country. And the memoirs of the apostles, in the chapter before, he described the four gospels as being the memoirs of the apostles. And the memoirs of the apostles or of the prophets are read as long as time permits. When the reader has finished, 
The man presiding in a discourse urges and invites us to the imitation of these noble things. Then we all stand up together and offer prayers. And as said before, when we have finished the prayer, bread is bought and wine and water. By the way, the custom of the Jews was the table wine was mixed with water, so it didn't have as much alcoholic content. And the, the presiding um, person similarly sends up prayers and thanksgiving to the best of his ability. And the elements by each one takes place, and they are sent to the absent by the deacons. <laughs> he described their, that's 140 A.D., 40 years after the death of John the Apostle. Like I say, we could read things from Ignatius, Clement, others who wrote during those early years of what happened on this on the church in the church service the lord's supper was always the center of it and that was always true in every church and every denomination until the, about the 1700s one thing that caused that to be interrupted was in america churches were settled out on the frontier and most denominations believe that you could not have the Lord's Supper unless a clergyman were present. And so because there was a limited number of clergymen, they would move from church to dirt. This week and this one, this week and this one, and this week and this one. And wherever they happened to be, that Sunday that church had communion. When he wasn't there, he didn't. The pattern was broken. Sad to say, in many churches it's never been restored. This is God's plan this is God's main reason why we come together on Sunday. And the other memorial is the Lord's Day. It's interesting that the early Christians stopped calling the first day of the week, the first day of the week, which was the Jewish term, or Sunday, which is the Romans term, but began to call this the Lord's Day. <laughs> Justin Martyr gives some explanation of that. He said it's the day uh, before and, and uh, the day in which Jesus was resurrected and so on. And it's interesting that every one of the appearances of Christ that we can determine which day it happened, with the exception of the ascension, every one, the day of which we can determine, was always on the first day of the week. And so the early church immediately made that their day of meeting, the Lord's Day. Today is a memorial. It is the Lord's Day. Now, this is just my opinion and my practice, but I do not think Saturday night is the night for Christians to howl. <laughs> that ought to be Friday. <laughs> Saturday night, we need to go to bed early, quiet that we might rise fully refreshed to fully memorialize the resurrection of Jesus by coming together on the Lord's Day. Think about this. When we come together on the Lord's Day, we have a funeral, which is the Lord's Supper. Then we have a rejoicing in the resurrection, which is the Lord's Day. What a beautiful way these two combine as we come together in the name of the Lord, the Lord's Day and the Lord's Supper.
I don't know what your lifetime practice is. I came to Christ when I was 10 years old, and I thank God so much for Dr. C.W. Lipsy. I've never in my entire life heard a man who in his preaching can make the Bible come so alive. And so as a boy, as he preached the gospel, it became so living to me. And when I was 10 years old, I came down the aisle at the invitation, was immersed into Christ that morning. Next Sunday, because I'd been immersed into Christ, it was right then for me to take the Lord's Supper. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. The elements were before me. It was such a sobering, deep thing. I couldn't do it. But I was troubled because many in the church seemed to view that as a time to chat as the elements were being passed, just as they did when the offering plate was being passed. But not for me. Not for me. I thank God for Memorial Day. And to be an American does not make me a Christian, nor to be a Christian does make me an American, but I'm both a Christian and an American. <laughs> and as a Christian, I thank God for those men and women who died, that today we can do this, which in some countries we couldn't. Those men and women who kept the battle someplace else instead of letting it come here. Think about that. We have not seen an army marching across this land since the war between the states. And there's hardly another country in the world that can say that. It's because our servicemen and women have kept the battle over there and have not let it happen here. And so as an American Christian, I thank God for and I owe a debt to those who have fought to keep us free. In Flanders Field, there is a tombstone that has this inscription. When you go home, tell them about us. Tell them that we sacrificed our today for their tomorrows. I'm thankful for Memorial Day, but not nearly as thankful as I am for the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and the hope that is ours because of his resurrection. May God be praised.